AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. That was a lot of caught-in-the-middle kind of trade that happened in the grain markets today. The only market that seemed to have some conviction in its move was hard red winter wheat. April cattle did post a new contract high before setting back to post a mid-range close. Live from the final finale of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk this afternoon. We'll talk with Brian Split from agmarket.net. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michaels, and now, at long last, welcome back your <laughs> beloved <laughs> benevolent host, Chip Laurie. You know, it seems... It, it, I did yesterday afternoon show. I did yesterday morning show, and it feels like I've been gone forever, Davis. It does feel like that. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, uh, the dogs travel... starting to think I'm a real pro here. Well, wait, of course, <laughs> of course they are. Of course, uh, I tell you what, mid February travel in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should do it anymore. I think we should all just stay home. Okay. Well, that's okay. what I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, especially when you try to thread the needle with that, oh, that will give me enough time, connection time. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that I missed the flight. Uh, as a matter of fact, I thought I was going to and uh, made it there in time for the for the boarding and everything, and I was all relaxed and Hey, yeah. I don't care what time I get home. As long as I get, I'm going to get home. And you're not going to get home. Not tonight. Didn't happen. So, but thank you for taking the reins again this morning for the oh, free happy for to all. Do it. I have not had an opportunity to listen to it yet because, because I was in the air when the doggone show was on. So I'll have to listen to that this afternoon on the way. We didn't have any fun. It was terrible radio. We just barely limped through the show. Did did Haney make it? Haney was there. We had Jim Wiesmeyer. It was very exciting, actually. Yeah. We we talked about some great stuff. It was really good. Yeah. So I saw Haney yesterday for 30 seconds. He mentioned that. Just time enough for a high five sounded like. Yep. He, all (laughs) this, you know, I was, I was sitting there. I was working. All of a sudden, I looked up, and there was Sean Haney right mm-hmm. in front of me. Mm-hmm. So we chatted for just a little bit, and uh, off he went. And we started the show yesterday afternoon and, and didn't get a chance to see him again. But Sean Haney, but, the Alberta Breeze, maybe we should call him the Saskatoon Sidler. Hmm? Sidled ooh. right up on you. Huh? Wow. Maybe. Wow. You see, I can't hardly say any of that. <laughs> that's what you've got me for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't have to. That's right. So anyway, so anyway, after making my way to a hotel, uh, I saw Wayne at the airport. Hi, Wayne. Thank you. Uh, you kind of brightened my brightened the events of yesterday with some very nice comments. And Mark, uh, man, Mark, I hope uh, I saw Mark last night at, at the airport as well. Cool. Uh, and this and this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, huh. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyway, uh, 
it's all well because we are home and at the mic and ready to go Glad for the conversation it. today. All right, buddy, yeah. let's get to the news. What do you got? Chip Hard Red Winter Wheat Futures traded higher today with support from congested exports from Ukraine. The country's export pace decreased 23% of the weekend in February 16 due to inspection delays. That's caused a backup of 140 vessels waiting to be cleared. That delay in shipments could force some importers to shop the U.S. for wheat supplies. Ongoing drought in the U.S. Central and Southern Plains also supported the hard red market. March HRW wheat futures pivoted on both sides of nine bucks this week with the trend sideways to higher. March SRW futures started the week with a test of resistance just under eight bucks, then retreated back below old resistance at 7.75. March HRW wheat futures eight cents higher, 906 and one half. March soft red wheat up a half penny to 7.65 and a half. March spring wheat closed at 9.30 and one quarter, unchanged today. You know, some some fairly aggressive spread movement between the flavors in the wheat market this week. We had July, taking a look at the new crop contracts here, July SRW wheat was down 18 cents this week. July HRW week wheat was up a penny, and mm-hmm. September spring wheat was up a penny and a half this week. USDA this morning announced the sale of nearly 121,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. With grain movement from the Black Sea experiencing some disruptions, it's difficult to guess who that unknown buyer might be. Negotiations between Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, and the U.N. on a new grain export deal will reportedly begin next week. March corn futures remain stuck in the sideways trading range between 670 and 690. March corn futures one and three quarter cents higher today at 677 and three quarters. May corn up two and a half, 677 and one half. July corn futures closed at 666, up two cents on the day. Some of those corn importers run on fairly tight supplies. So if there is a disruption out of the Black Sea, it could very quickly bring some demand to the U.S. We're going to have to watch for that. Uh, and it just makes it difficult to figure out. You know, usually when you hear unknown, you think China. I don't know if we can make that assumption this time. March corn on the week was down two and three quarter cents. December corn on the week down just one quarter of one cent. Well, soybean oil futures were slightly lower and soybean meal was mixed on the final trading day of the week. That provided very little direction for soybeans, which ended the day with just slight gains. Dry conditions in Argentina are expected to continue through at least midweek, which should limit selling interest in the bean market when trade restarts after the President's Day three-day weekend. Woohoo! Wet, yeah, wet conditions in some key areas of Brazil continue to delay the soybean harvest. Despite the slow harvest, offers for March-April bean shipments from southern Brazil are making U.S. soybeans look pricey. Chart watchers are looking for March beans to continue to pivot around the 1525 level March beans. Three quarters of a cent higher today, 1527 and one quarter. May beans up a penny, 1522 and a quarter. July soybeans closed up 15, uh, closed at 1514 and one half. That's up one and one half cents, Chip. Does it sound yeah, better okay. if I really sell it like that? Like a cent higher. Does yeah. Help? Not, not really. It's a penny oh. and a half. Wah, wah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot of spread action in the, uh, in the bean market this week. March soybeans on the week down 15 and a quarter cents. November soybeans on the week up seven and one half cents. So a lot huh. of spread action. March bean oil on the week was up 97 points. March soybean meal down $8.30 a ton. 
Bull March cotton was 100 points lower today at 80.25. A tough week for the cottons, Chip. Yeah, it was. The, the December contract, the new crop contract, was down 261 points at 82.25. Well, Chip, fed cattle futures pushed up into the end of the week. Beef processors are thought to be short-bought on supplies through the end of the month. That will have traders looking for higher cash bids again next week. The risk of another winter storm in the Central Plains next week will likely add to upside pressure on cash bids. April live cattle rallied to a new contract high before pulling back to a mid-range close. April fats, 57 and one half higher, 164.65. March feeders up 30 cents, 186.52 and a half. And on the snout side, lean hog futures rallied early in the session, but gains were erased and downside momentum accelerated with today's session low close. April lean hog futures 50 cents lower, 85.27 and one half. With the June contract off 42 and one half, 102.72 and a half. Chip. All right. And on the week, April live cattle up 70, 70 cents. March feeder cattle up 12 and one half cents. And April lean hog futures up $1.95. All right. We have cleared the way for Brian Split, agmarket.net. He is up next here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? That's a nice way to send me into a three-day weekend right there. Heck yeah, baby. I kind of like that one. You betcha. All right. You know, it's one of those deals. It's one of those deals mm-hmm. that when you're, you know, maybe it's a little bit late at night on a weekend, flipping mm-hmm. the channels, looking for something. If you see Smokey and the Bandit, uh-huh. I can't move. I, I'm i locked in. I am really? locked in watching mm-hmm. Smokey and the Bandit. Are you kidding? Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those. You got, Absolutely. That one, like Tombstone, is kind of another one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say. We, you know, and there's several to choose from on that front. <laughs> well, but you know, given given the the chance be- or the choice between Val Kilmer and Sally Fields, I mean, I think the choice is obvious. Well, yeah, I'm going. With I mean, Sally. he's such a great actor. You know, he <laughs> just, just puts in such a performance. All right, welcome back to Agri Talk. I'm Chip. That is Davis, and let's get into the conversation right now with Brian Split, AgMarket.net. Brian, how are you, man? Chip, it is Friday. Uh, it is going to be a good three-day weekend looking forward to it how have you been good good you know a little bit of travel issues here over the last 24 hours but 
you know, I'm back in the bunker. I'm happy to be here. The sun is shining. It's cool, crisp, 21 degrees. And uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to learn right now, sir. You ready to teach? Yeah, let's teach. Let's All talk. Right. Let's, Where do you want to start? Well, I, you know, I want to start with something that was a, a topic of conversation with those that were interested in the markets down at the National Farm Machinery Show. And that was kind of the no-nonsense, go-nowhere kind of attitude of the markets right now. It, is that how you see it, and what is that telling us if you do? Yeah, uh, right. So you look at corn, and, and it's been a very sideways market, and it's really been that way since the, uh, well, I mean, you could go back to uh, to August, and we're essentially yeah. the same price for May corn that we were in, in mid to late August. Uh, we've gone a little higher. We've gone a little bit lower um, you think about the move that we had, for example, between our fall highs and the uh, the lows that we had in December on the May contract, and, and the exact midpoint of that whole trading range was six seventy four. So here we are, six seventy seven and a half. Yeah. Um, and and really, one of the the absolute best positions that I've had in in my book is is being short corn straddles. Uh, yeah. So we we looked at that after the January report and said, okay. Uh, probably going to continue to see selling at the upper end around seven from the producer. I think end users are going to be willing to buy um, and, and maybe more so because of the reduction in the harvested acres on that January report. And we really just thought we'd go sideways. And so 670 to 680 straddles were the thing. Um, and, and over the last month, those have lost about uh, 16 to 17 cents. Um, so, the, and, but this is a little bit of a concern now because you've got corn vol on, on these options. You look at the CME group has a, uh, a part of their website you can go to and it's uh, the volatility indices for all the different markets and you look at corn vol and we are trading the lowest vol on on corn options since uh, early 2020 and um, that was when we had futures below four dollars so we're trading you know four dollar futures type corn vol uh, with yeah. futures at 670 and i don't think that's going to last uh, so my number one message uh, is if you are somebody that needs to buy options for part of their marketing plan, uh, this is historically a good time to look at buying those options. And I'm not going to tell you how to do your marketing on the show, uh, right. but if you are somebody that buys calls as a as a courage call so that you have that and maybe you could sell yep. against that for summertime or whenever, probably not a bad time to look at that. Yep. Uh, if you're simply a put buyer that wants to have a floor under the market, probably not a bad time for that. Uh, and that goes for also for soybeans. Soybeans are, are trading at very low volatility levels. Um, so I think there's some things that you can do, whether it's a combo of an HTA or a future sale and back that up with a call for the next four months to get you through the time frame when we would typically see our marketing year high in that May to June time frame. You know, so make a sale and manage the upside over the next four months with that option. Maybe not a bad idea to look at it that way. Yeah, um, that is marginable if you if you sell it in your account, uh, even if you have the call. So just be mindful if you're somebody that does not like margin calls, then you're probably just a put buyer. Um, but I, I think this is the environment where where owning options, uh, if if that's your play, then this is a good time to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, couple of things here. For those that may not completely understand or be comfortable with how options work, let's dig into this short straddle position or a short option position a little bit. Because the premium on that option is determined by intrinsic value, how close 
the um, the the strike price is to the futures price, time value, and volatility. Those three things make up the value of the option. If you're not, if your strike, if the market isn't moving far from, you know, where it was when you sold that option, all you're doing is collecting the volatility value and the time value out of those options, right? Correct. Um, yeah. So to explain a straddle, um, and we'll, we'll just use nice round numbers. And let's say, okay. for example, we're looking at a May 670 straddle. And let's just say that was sold at 50 cents. Um, and there's going to be two time frames. You, you're going to talk about the here and now and what the market is doing over the next couple of weeks. And then you have to also look at things at option expiration. So, uh, you know, to put it very yeah. simply, if you were to sell a, a 670 call, and let's just say you collected 10 cents for it. Well, you know that at option expiration day, uh, if we're below 670, the option zero, you collect all 10 cents. But if we're above 670, it's gonna exercise into a short future position. You keep your 10 cents, so it gives you a net sale of 680, right? 670, which is your strike, plus the 10 cents. So in the example of the straddle, we would say, okay, 670 straddle, we are selling a call and we are selling a put combined, uh, and we're collecting 50 cents. So then let's just, play that all the way out to option expiration day, one of those two options is going to expire worthless. Okay. At very slim odds that you're exactly at 670. So if you're above 670, the sold put goes to zero. And essentially it's like selling that 670 call for 50 cents. So you're going to have a 720 upside break even on option expiration day, but vice versa, you're going to have a downside break even as well, which is going to be, if we're below 670, the sold call goes to zero then it's like selling a 670 put for 50 cents, which gives you a 620 downside break even. And when you think about those break evens in the context of that fall high, so you go back to October, that high was 712. Well, at 720 upside break even is above your fall high. And then you look at your downside, uh, which was your December lows, that was 636 and three quarters. So a 620 break even on the downside being roughly 17 cents below your December low. Now you've got break evens that are on, on, outside of, of your fall highs and your your December lows. And so that's what we were looking at after that January report. Um, and so two things have happened since then. A month of time has gone by, and we've seen the volatility just kind of continue to erode out of these options as the market's been trading very quiet and very sideways. We had corn, uh, May corn had, what, a uh, four and a quarter cent trading range today. So, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> uh, not exciting whatsoever. But the straddles, it's very exciting for the person that is short a straddle. Right, right. That's that. That's why these the the low volatility can lull some people to sleep unless you are in a position that thrives on the low volatility. How do you handle the low volume? Is there still enough liquidity to get in and out of these positions as you would like? Yes, uh, corn options, regardless of of the uh, you know the well, and it wasn't a horrible volume day on the futures. We traded one hundred and twenty okay. some odd thousand contracts on both March and May. So even though the the trading range was small, the volume is there. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of spread activity right now, and and corn options are are a very liquid product, especially when you stay uh, you know in in the nearby contracts. Um, so I I, I have not yeah. had an issue uh, putting these on or taking them off. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the other thing that we need to talk about seeing is today is February 17th. I think we've only got six trading days left in the in the month before we set the average of December corn futures and November soybean futures. The last thing that comes into play on the the premium for crop insurance then 
is volatility. And a year ago, we had a huge spike when Russia invaded Ukraine. I'm not anticipating that we're going to see that huge spike. So that volatility measure that you've been talking about, Brian, is is going to take some of the value out of the, the premium on the insurance as well. Yeah, and so with six trading days left, it's going to be very difficult to move the uh, the average price as it sits right now right. Uh, for the the spring average. Um, and so I, I think we're probably pretty dialed into, you know, maybe seeing our spring average a touch higher than it was last year for corn. We had a five ninety average last year, and uh, we're probably pretty dialed into being, you know, maybe fifty cents lower on soybeans than we yeah. were the, than uh, the, the spring average last year. Yeah, last year. 1433 is yes. that right yeah 1433 yes. a year ago this right now we're looking at like a 1374 1375 some something like that okay we are talking with brian split agmarket.net we've been talking about uh a kind of a low volatility trade how does that apply to the rest of the commodity world we're going to find out from brian next right here on agritalk To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Grain and livestock markets will trade normal hours today. Well, they did. Markets and government offices will be closed this coming Monday, February 20, for President's Day. France's wheat crop conditions remain strong, with 93% of the crop rated good to excellent by the country's ag ministry. The Government Accountability Office on Thursday released a report recommending 13 measures USDA could implement to enhance farmers' climate resilience and limit federal fiscal exposure from climate change. The Cleveland Fed president said there was a, quote, compelling economic case for the central bank to raise interest rates by a half percentage point. The sum of money owed by U.S. households climbed considerably during the fourth quarter, posting the largest quarterly increase in household debt in two decades. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. You can get more at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. And just as important, I 
am glad to be with you this afternoon here on AgriTalk. Uh, we are in the middle of a conversation with Brian Split from agmarket.net. Before we get back to that, Davis, go ahead and recap how the market's closed. Well, Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were eight cents higher today at 906 and one half. March soft red wheat was up a half penny to 765 and one half. March corn futures one and three quarter cents higher, 677 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 666, up two cents on the day. <laughs> March beans were three quarters of a cent higher, 1527 and one quarter. July beans closed at 1514 and one half, up one and one half cents. March cotton was 100 points lower at 80.25. On the livestock side, April fat cattle were 57 and one half higher at 164.65. March feeders were up 30 cents to 186.52 and a half. And April lean hog futures 50 cents lower, 85.27 and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. Sorry, I lost my All place right. there for a second. Lost my place right at the end. I almost no, made you it. You got it. You almost got it. a perfect You're there. Run. You're good. Uh, that kind of stuff can happen on a Friday afternoon. I'm just saying. It feels You're, like a Friday, doesn't it? It kind of feels like a Friday in front of a three-day break. <laughs> That's what it kind of feels like. So, all right. Uh, let's get back to the conversation with Brian Split, agmarket.net. Brian, um, the spreads and a couple of different spreads that I want to talk about here real quick, if we could. Number one, the bear spreads in the beans. Why? What's going on there? Uh, and the spreads between the flavors in the wheat markets. You you tweeted out the the uh, S, the SRW HRW spread here uh, just a little bit ago. That's quite a move going on in that those wheat spreads. It is. Um, and, and so that has been a move that started well before the January report, um, you know, and it, and it really started around uh, harvest or, or going into harvest. Um, but uh, as we continue to see concerns about dryness in the hard red growing regions, better growing conditions in the soft red regions, uh, but that spread did pull back into that January report uh, in, in anticipation of the winter wheat seedings data. And then when we saw where the additional wheat acres were, uh, we really saw the uh, the July contract outpace, uh, and that, that'd be July HRW outpace the July SRW, uh, to the tune of about 40 cents in the last month. Uh, and when you look at it in the spot contract in the March, uh, it's it's been even more exacerbated than that. Uh, I think it's been about a 60 cent move. Uh, where in, in yeah. January we were trading maybe 80, you know, hard red 80 over SRW, and uh, now we're a dollar 40. So it's yeah. it's been a very strong move, uh, one wheat versus the other, and uh, uh, you know that made new highs today in, in the March contract, new new contract highs for the spread. Yeah, I think I think what's going on there is we've got the grain deal between Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, the UN. Uh, being renegotiated with President Putin saying some things that make you question or wonder if he's going to be willing to renew that deal. So that's supporting the old crop HRW over the old crop SRW. And then the dry conditions. Uh, they've just been in place for so long. That, and you're exactly right. I didn't realize how long that uptrend line has extended across the chart already, Brian. But <laughs> it's and, not that and, often and that when you, you look see at that chart a... isn't it isn't it amazing how technical it trades yes yes it it's uh i've i've always watched the spreads and i've rarely charted the spreads i wish 
I would have done more of that over the years, and I still can, and uh, and probably will. But it's it's classic formations in that spread move right now. It really is, and we got a breakout. We do, um, and, and new highs by about a penny or so. So we'll see what things look like coming out of the weekend. Um, but you had also mentioned other spreads, the, yep. the soybean spreads, and so I think there's a couple spreads that I've been looking at. There, one would be the March first, the July. That uh, to me looks like it's got a double top up around that 22 area. So that means 22 cents March over the July. And uh, that really got going in early 2023 as we started to get more and more concerned about uh, the the dryness in Argentina and then the possibility of, of harvest delays um, in Brazil. And so that just me- meant that any quick ship bushels uh, of soybeans uh, were, were coming to the U.S. And we've seen a little bit of a prolonged uh, uh, export program for soybeans. Now, if we see March uh, break through the 10 cent inverse i think it'll go back to even money very quickly uh then the other spread that i typically would be watching would be the july november spread yep and uh that has been in a very nice uptrend since uh, mid-november and we went right to the uptrend today so i i think the concern here is that um number one if we start to see march lose ground further on july that really just suggests that the market is getting much more comfortable with the availability of, of the brazilian soybean crop to world right. buyers um and so the premium that we put in here recently now that we've got brazil soybeans uh trading at at levels that are are much cheaper than us and we, we've talked about uh, earlier this week, the basis for uh, Brazilian soybeans is negative for, negative for the first time in 19 months. So I think that shows, um, you know, the availability of, of beans uh, to world buyers. Uh, that That is also a concern. So that should be negative spread. So I'm going to look for this July-November spread if we start week next week. If we take out that uptrend, I think you're going to continue to see old crop lose to new crop. And I think also part of the conversation is there's a little bit of a bid under new crop because of some of the acreage conversations yeah. going on right now. And you, you look at some of the quotes out there for anhydrous and, and we're, we're quite a bit lower than we were just several months ago in fall. And uh, so yeah. does this lead to some of these, some of the larger operations that might be able to switch some acres, uh, you know, around at the last minute, are, are we really uh, putting some of those acres into corn? Uh, the economics in a lot of areas would suggest that. So I do think there's a little bit of a bid under beans right now uh, to maybe try and, and uh, uh, stem that that uh, increase in corn acres that we could potentially see. But I think the Bloomberg uh, estimates came out this afternoon, at least internally for us, you know, submitting our estimates and 90.9 for corn and 88.6 for soybeans. Um, and so you plug that in a balance sheet for corn. And if you if you have a 91 million acre type number, and, you know, I mean, USDA is going to start with a trend line yield. That's what they do, unless there's some yep. kind of a major weather issue in spring that would suggest that they should make a, a move earlier, and, and which they did in 2022. Uh, they were subtrend for that May report. But, you know, you start at 176, which has kind of been the upper end of our production, you know, 2018, 2019, I'm sorry, uh, 2017, 2018, and then this uh, previous year, 2021. That 176 has been about the upper end, and you throw that type of a yield in there with, uh, you know, rather static demand, and you're looking at a two billion type of a carryout. Uh, so I, I look at this year as very 
similar to 2013. Yeah. Um, coming off of very high prices the year before. And I think you could see very strong basis levels in old crop this spring. I think you could see May trade over July uh, corn by 30 to 40 cents like we did uh -huh. in 2013, yep. but still have the new crop contract maintain a uh, sideways to downward trend. And, it, and if we don't encounter any major um, weather problems this spring into summer, uh, we could be at substantially lower levels. Uh, so you think about these 2013 corn, the very first day of February, and this yep. was 10 years ago, but the starting price was 590. Um, so then there when I are. look at, you know, we were talking about how options are trading with low vol and they're cheap. Uh, then I look at, you know, December $5 puts or March 24, $5 puts are going for about 10 cents. And if you see a similar move like 2013, um, those things will be going for 70, 80, 90 cents um you know come fall uh right. so I, I think these are options that producers should be thinking about um and and granted i'm you know i'm not going to hedge six dollar corn with a five dollar put but this 10 cents could be a, a very strong value adder uh yeah. if this market goes into bear market over the next eight ten months yep 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 i like it i like the way you're thinking there brian okay uh, the last thing that I want to get from you is just your overall impression of the commodity world. How is it? How is it doing? Is what is it telling us about how the eggs might trade going forward? All right. So uh, Bloomberg Commodity Index is the index that I typically would track, and so uh, I think the thing to be mindful of when you look at that is that uh, it had a very strong uptrend that started in 2020 when we were making our COVID lows. Uh, since then, we have violated that uptrend. Uh, so uh, the the trend line that we continued to hold over the last uh, two and a half years, it, we're no longer holding that. So that's concern number one. Uh, concern number two would be that that chart itself has what we would call a descending triangle, which means that we made a, a peak uh, back in spring on the index itself. And, and whether it was ag commodities, energies, uh, a lot of these markets made highs in spring. Uh, and then we had, we'd come off those highs and we made some lows in, in late summer. And then we made some secondary lows at roughly the same spot in fall. Um, and so we've taken out that flat base of lows uh, so that would be considered a breakout to the downside uh, of a, a descending triangle pattern on okay. the commodity index itself. Uh, so, you know, different commodities hold different weighting uh, on these indices. Um, but that would just in general speak to a, a more of a negative uh, outlook on commodities as a whole uh, as we progress through uh, probably the the next uh, well, okay. to finish up the first quarter and progress into the uh, the uh, second quarter of 2023. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, man. Hey, I always love having you on here, man. I, I know that that people are going to listen to that that first segment as you were describing how the straddle works and how the premium will move with the, with the futures moving. People are going to listen to that a couple of times to get it, Brian. It was great stuff. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, it is always good to be here. It never feels like we have enough time. Um, That's right. So I look forward to speaking with you next time, Chip. All right. Thanks, buddy. That is Brian Split, agmarket.net. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Willowwood Glypho 6 as low as $28.97 a gallon tote price when you pay cash and build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at fbn.com slash direct. Ends February 28th. Price is subject to change. TNC apply. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip will be back tomorrow morning. Psych. I've got Chip right here. We already passed tomorrow morning. It's today afternoon, everybody. Yes. Woo! So glad to have you back. It sounds like it was quite the, uh, quite the struggle. Well, yeah, you know, um, it it was, uh, it it was, like I said, like I said, you look around, you see how many other people are going through the same thing. I sat next to somebody that was trying to get to Cleveland and had been at the airport. Well, no. Had been in Chicago for 23 hours already, Oof. waiting, trying to find a way to get to Cleveland. Yikes. Ooh. Yeah, that's a long stretch. Well, we're sure yeah. glad you made it. Sure glad you made it. Uh, I am, too. Were you, were you able to get into your driveway once you got there? Did you have to oh. have to scoop your way in, or did you just, hey, just pull it? Hey, up here, up here uh-huh. in, in God's country at the ranch? Yeah. We got like an inch of snow, an inch of fresh oh. stuff. Yeah, no problem. Now... I had to fly into a different airport than what I left from. So <laughs> yeah. somehow, some way, we're going to find my truck at, oh. at, at some point. You know, we got to do that. Yeah, I got three days to do that. You got time. <laughs> you got time. I wouldn't even, you know, and today is basically over, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we're into tomorrow already. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's all, all true. All true. Brian Split from eggmarket.net. Did I hear him correctly when he referenced currently a negative bean basis coming uh, coming out of Brazil? Yeah. yeah. That's so, why that's why in the news you said that US beans are starting to look a little pricey compared to Brazilian beans. Well, yeah, because and um we talked about this yesterday. They they and we've talked about it before. They don't have a whole lot of storage there. They got to move these beans. They got to yeah. take them to town. They got to go. They got to yep. go. Yeah, a lot of that crop for a short period of time is stored in a truck because it takes days to get it to the port. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so there's it's just an incredibly difficult process to move that northern bean crop. They're they're cost of trucking per bushel mm-hmm. i mean we blow them away blow them away when it comes to 
uh, transportation costs on it because we can get a crop down to the Gulf a whole lot quicker, quicker and cheaper than mm. they can truck it from the northern production areas down to Paraguay or something like that to move the yeah. uh, to move the beans. But the uh, uh, the simple fact that they're looking at a negative basis on top of all those transportation costs. The there has been so much incentive to expand bean acres over the last three years, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying that that the incentive is gone. It's just that as we're setting up for that crop that will be harvested in early 2024, as things stand right now, some of the incentive has left left the uh, Brazilian market. There's no question about that. Well, this is got to be um an annual sort of basis pattern for them doesn't it do we know yeah 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 absolutely i mean when the new crop starts to come into play uh they are doing everything that that they can to a move that crop because as you said storage is short uh the the exporters know it they line up the boats they have them waiting offshore Hmm. and they Fill them up as fast as they can and put them out on the market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard another comparison today. These keep adding up. Heard another comparison to 2013. Yeah, yeah. I, y- you know, I almost said, <laughs> I almost said to Brian, "Oh, another one." But you don't like to do that because I know it's his original research. Right, right. It, it It's not like these guys that are coming on AgriTalk and talking about how this year looks to be lining up similarly to 2013 and the pricing patterns that we saw then. They're saying that because they've done the research mm-hmm. to identify that pattern and how the fundamentals fit similarly to Mm -hmm. what they were looking at in 2013. Mm -hmm. But to hear it as many times as we've heard it now, Davis, um, it, it makes it, I, I mean, I've gone back and looked at it too Mm -hmm. and it, yeah, there it is. There it is. The, uh, the trends and the patterns are there and pay attention, pay attention to that. Well, and here's something interesting, too. Um, June of 2012, and was at 805.75. Okay. And headed downward off of its highs from 10, 11, you know, 8 and 9, basically. Yeah. Um, but it still continued, anhydrous anyway, still continued to follow the seasonal pattern. Got some strength through, say, from September 12 through June 13. So we got through the planting season, basically, in side dress in 13, and then it just dropped off a cliff from, like, 8.59 all the way down to, dropped down to a December low, 6.25, and then continued lower from there. From there, we were top left, bottom right, until recently. Yeah. So I would love it if it were... (laughs) <laughs> yeah like a 20 or well, like a 2013 here on that side too on that side of things absolutely but yeah but and i just was basically just following corn <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah, be careful what you wish for when, but, 
When you couple those two. That's right. That's that's exactly right. I mean, it's like uh, over the years, there's been lots of times that uh, cheap corn led to really cheap hogs. Even though it was cheaper to feed them, boy, <laughs> it turns into red ink in a hurry. National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook February 23rd through the 27th has below normal temperatures for the western corn belt and the northern production areas. Above normal temperatures for the eastern corn belt. Above normal precipitation over the region. We got a three-day weekend in front of us. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk to you again Monday morning. We'll have Machinery Pete and Andrew McRae right here on AgriTalk.